The other day, I went out into my garden with my boys, and I saw this little bug chewing on a rose petal. I was not thrilled. So I went and picked this little bug off the plant. I was curious what was destroying my yard. So I dropped the little mystery critter in some Tupperware and hopped online. After searching through a few dozen insects native to the coast of California, comparing body shape, antenna, leg configuration, eyes, snout, and overall size, I found a match. A weevil. That word, like a wee bit of evil. <laughs> uh, when I hear the word weevil, I think of the bull weevil, Anthonomus grandis, the insect that decimated crops in the American South and began a massive migration of farmers moving west to the Golden State. Soon that flood of people was joined by those fleeing the Dust Bowl drought of Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Texas. These were farmers, people who worked the land, who sowed seeds. Today, we remember these migrations through the photography of Dorothea Lange, through Steinbeck's novel, The Grapes of Wrath, and through the songs of Woody Guthrie. Guthrie was born um, just as uh, he, 105 years ago this past week, on July 14th, 1912, in Okama, Oklahoma. Happy birthday, Woody. He, he moved to Texas and eventually made his way out to California, like so many other so-called Okies. But he didn't stop like others. He didn't, he didn't stop when he got out west. He continued rambling for several decades. He rode the trains as a hobo. He joined union rallies. He painted. He drew. He wrote songs. He wrote poems. He wrote songs for the common man, for the common person. He wrote songs of struggle, songs of coercion, songs of justice. But he did so with a quirky smile, tongue in cheek. He made fun out of everything. I love, there's a couple of his children's songs that we sing in the car when the kids are particularly riled up and we have to switch over from whatever we're listening to to the kids', kids music. Uh, there's this great one about, uh, about going for a ride in the car and Woody's original version, he, he, he's like, <laughs> he's like just having a great time. But the, my kids always crack up because there's this line about a frog getting ca caught in the car. And anyway, whatever. <laughs> Despite his harsh circumstances and scant education, Woody Guthrie's legacy has spread all over the globe. Here in the States, most school ch children know this land is your land. What a great message. What a great song. Guthrie took what he was given to him and he spread it far and wide. That is the heart of the gospel for today, the parable of the sower. When I was younger, I struggled with this story. It seemed like the story was telling me that I had to be perfect. 
It seemed like I should feel guilty if my soil were not perfect. It seemed like Jesus was saying that if I had some rocks or weeds, if I worried or rushed or struggled in this life, then I would fail. Some other folks might be helpful for God, but I was not one of them unless my life was perfect. After years of study, diving into the Bible and its original languages, after years of training in our tradition, years of conveying the life and teachings of Jesus, years of being with people in their triumphs and their struggles, I see this very differently. Now, I read this story and think, this is crazy. What sort of farmer is so wasteful? What person who is trying to grow anything does it like this? This farmer, this sower, is reckless, haphazard, carefree. The sower is not worried that some seed might be wasted. The sower is not judging the soil and condemning it. The sower lives in abundance. Sower scatters seed everywhere. Yes, in some circumstances, the seed does better than others. In some soil, the seed brings forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. But what is that good soil? Knowing what we know of Jesus, knowing what we know of God's kingdom, what is good soil? Liberation theology and the work of people like Leonardo Boff remind us of God's preferential option for the poor. For Boff, our work as followers of Christ involves being evangelically poor, The evangelically poor, he says, are those who make themselves available to God in the realization of God's project in this world, and thereby make themselves into instruments and signs of the kingdom of God. He goes on to say that the evangelically poor will establish solidarity with the economically poor and even identify with them just as the historical Jesus did. As we strive for love of God and neighbor, we are brought into solidarity with the poor, with the marginalized, with the forgotten. As Sylvia Regina de Lima Silva reminds us, our process of organization and liberation of our people inspires us to refine our own understanding of the divine language we use to express the infinite. So we speak of a black God, of mother God, of worker God. We begin to see God in unexpected places. We find God in recovery communities, in laundromats, in a shower trailer here at St. Mike's on Monday afternoons. We do not seek out the self-righteous or the seemingly perfect when we seek Christ, when we seek love eternal. The good soil always surprises us. As Woody Guthrie's friend and bandmate Pete Seeker saying, God bless the grass that grows 
in the cracks. Good soil is not where we expect it, but it is identifiable through its similarity to the sower. Good soil responds with the abundance of the sower. Some soil brings forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Like the sower, the seed in good soil is abundant. It spreads. One small seed becomes thirty, sixty, hundred. Great ideas, great thought, great love spreads. We see this everywhere from Bob Marley to Charles Darwin. Gandhi's nonviolence spread from South Africa to India, then to MLK throughout America, then back to South Africa, down to Guatemala and Bolivia. Then it found its way to China, where students gathered in Tiananmen Square seeking reform with the manifesto, We Have No Enemies. For many of us, that moment of resistance is immortalized in the photos of Tank Man. You guys remember these photos? I mean, it's hard to, hard to not remember them. The individual standing in front of the, uh, the lone individual standing in front of the tanks as they came, a line of tanks and moving, shifting as, the, as, they, as they came. But Tiananmen was a collective effort. And this last week, one of those who helped bring that moment to life passed away. Liu Xiaobo. This man lived a life of resistance. Resistance not only to an oppressive regime, but to hatred, to division. He lived under house arrest and died of cancer. In 2009, as he was tried on charges of inciting subversion to state power for helping write Charter 8, which is a pro-democracy manifesto calling for the end to one-party rule, in his final statement, final public statement, Lou reaffirmed, I have no enemies and no hatred. What a powerful statement. In 2010, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize and his ideas, this person that I probably wouldn't have known about, spread. His love, his action spread. Going back to our Dust Bowl folk singer, I'm reminded of Guthrie's most famous prodigy, Bob Dylan. Dylan started off as what he called a Woody Guthrie jukebox. He came to New York to visit Guthrie, who by then was hospitalized in Greystone Park Psychiatric Hospital in New Jersey, suffering from Huntington's disease, which finally led to his death in 1967. Dylan would visit Guthrie and share his early songs, and within a few years, those songs went out everywhere. They defined a generation, and they continue to inspire countless. One seed brings forth a hundredfold. Um, just uh, toward the end of, uh, of Guthrie's life, when, Woody, when, uh, when Dylan was already very, very famous, he wrote a, a, a very long poem called Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie. Um, and I'm going to steal a couple of lines from it just, just for a second to get back into the spirit. He says, 
In the spirit of Guthrie, he says, when your head gets twisted and your mind grows numb, when you think you're too, cold, too old, too young, too smart, or too dumb, when you're lagging behind and losing your pace in a slow-motion crawl of life's busy race, no matter what you're doing, if you're starting to give up, if the wine don't come to the top of your cup, the wind's blowing you sideways with one hand holding on and the other starts slipping and the feeling is gone. And there's something on your mind you want to be saying, that's something that someplace, somebody someplace ought to be hearing, but it's trapped on your tongue and sealed in your head, and it bothers you badly when you're laying in bed, but no matter how you try, you just can't say it, and you're scared to your soul that you just might forget it. And your eyes get swimming with the tears in your head, and your pillows of feathers turn to blankets of lead, and the lion's mouth opens, and you're staring at its teeth, and its jaws start closing with you underneath. And you're flat on your belly with your hands tied behind. You wish you'd never taken that last detour sign. And you say to yourself, just what am I doing on this road that I'm walking? On this trail that I'm turning? On this curve I'm hanging? On this pathway I'm strolling? In the space I'm taking? In this air that I'm breathing? We are all given the beautiful seed. Whatever type of soil you think you are, God has given you good seed. Take it. Feed on it. Nourish it. And let it nourish you. And spread that seed around. Amen. Amen.